Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1074 of the Juicebox Podcast. Welcome back to the fourth installment of the parenting series with myself and Erica Forsyth. Today's episode is Creating Boundaries and Expectations. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. If you're looking to find Erica, she's at ericaforsyth.com. She can help you virtually or in person, depending on what state you live in. Erica is not just a terrific therapist, she's also a 30-plus year type 1. iPhone users, please listen. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, there's been a recent update to your operating system. If you've done that update and you're on iOS 17 now, your podcast app may not be downloading the podcast the way you expect it to. Go to your podcast app, choose the show, go to the three dots in the top right corner, choose settings, go down to automatic downloads and set it to download all episodes. That way you won't miss an episode of the Juicebox podcast. I don't know where you're currently getting your diabetes supplies from, but Arden gets hers from US Med. USmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. I want to personally thank US Med for being a longtime sponsor of the podcast and for sponsoring this episode. If you're interested in getting your supplies the same way we do, check out the website, usmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. Get your free benefits check, and you'll be on your way. Just for everyone listening, I'm really excited about what we're doing here, but I'm more excited about what Erica told me she's going to tell me after we record the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> let's see, we're going to do... Hi, Erica's like, it's me. Uh, let's see, Erica has put together a lovely uh, outline for today's episode. This is episode four of the parenting series, Creating Boundaries and Expectations. So yes. why don't you walk everybody through, you kind of have like a three-tiered map here for me. Tell me why you put it together the way you did. Yes. Okay. So I think it's first, it'll be helpful for us to understand what is a realistic boundary or realistic rule, why we set them for our children, along with why we set realistic expectations. And I think when we think about boundaries, we think for and also I want to make sure we do this kind of in a developmental age appropriate way. But for little children, we think about boundaries usually around physical boundaries. Like don't, don't run across the street. Don't touch the hot stove. Don't keep, you know, keep your hands to yourself. Mm -hmm. So we think about these physical boundaries, but I also want us to make sure we think about these, the emotional boundaries that we set for our children. For example, a physical boundary we, as I said, let's say we'll start with the um, keep your hands to yourself. Okay. Why is it important for your child to follow that rule? Well, so that they don't hurt the other child and then they all don't get hurt in response. How do we reinforce that realistic boundary with our child? And this is where I think we can get into a little bit deeper discussion is having the really emphasizing empathy and self-awareness. And I think as parents, we often think, well, empathy is like an an older, more mature concept for children to get. But if we start teaching our children when we're setting these boundaries and rules and expectations about empathy and self-awareness, that helps them grow into being really responsible teens and adults. So let me ask you a question. So the idea of like, just don't put your hands on other people without permission, mm -hmm. right? Is it that teaches you to understand how the other person might feel, right? That's yes. more, it's more about that interaction than just, you don't touch people because they're, you don't do it. Like there's more to it than that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So the empathy piece, so you could even do this with a, a two-year-old when we're, when they're learning, you know, in preschool or they're getting out in more social interactions of like, okay, we don't put, we keep our hands to ourselves. Why? Because you can, you know, how, how would you feel if Johnny put, pushed you mm -hmm. and, they understand that concept. Another way to 
model that or illustrate that is when you're when they're watching a TV show or reading a book. Like, wow, look at there these two little boys are arguing or two little girls are arguing and they're pushing each other. How do you think they each feel? And so constantly asking them, how do you think you would feel if your friend did that to you? Mm-hmm. That is teaching them empathy. That the next piece is the self-awareness, right? So First, we're wanting to demonstrate the the physical boundaries around how would the other person feel going into the other person's physical area, Mm -hmm. but then also having the self-awareness of how do you feel when someone crosses into your physical or emotional zone. Okay. And that's the self-awareness piece. Yeah. So now, not only do you, can you absorb it for, oh, I would not enjoy that, but then you have a deeper understanding of how they might feel which might in turn stop you from putting your hands on them in some way. That's it's right. A, it's a real learning problem. Did I do the wrong thing when I told my kids, if you hit somebody, you ex- you should expect they might hit you back? Because that's kind of <laughs> how I told them. <laughs> I was like, I was like, <laughs> well, that's that's like, you know, action and consequence. Every action has consequence type mm, of, you yeah. know, um, learning. Did you do the wrong thing? I think that's just, it's a different way of, you know, teaching them that they're, if they're if they're not being empathetic, there's good. There might be a consequence, right? I was also trying to teach them like levels of thought. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, say you're so upset that you push somebody. It's a, it's a great example that you used, right? I don't know that people then think, well, that will either make them upset or make them defensive, and then they're going to come back at you, and you don't know what level of violence they're going to come back to you with. Which led me to the next thing that I taught them was, don't screw with people because you don't know how far they're willing to go. Like, you don't know their story, you know, like their story in the moment or their life story, you know, a shove to you might just be like, oh, but to them, it could be time for war. Like, you have no idea, like what their level of understanding is. Yes, yes. I mean, and that's that's obviously a really mature concept for a child to to like pause when they're like in the moment, their adrenaline's going and they want to like reach out. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can. Teaching them the social skills in the moment is really the most effective way for them to learn and practice right then. As a, but obviously going back and teaching them um, the the correct way to act in that moment is also helpful. So there's this yes kind of give and take of like okay how would you how would you feel if someone did that action to you? Mm-hmm. and then the self awareness piece is how would I how do how do I feel? Right. Like how how am I feeling if someone um touches me or pushes me or says something that I really I don't feel good about when they say that to me? Right. And being able to then advocate for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Say, oh, that doesn't feel good physically or emotionally. Understanding A, what that feels like for and you role playing, modeling for your child, and then giving them the the skills and the the verbiage to say, gosh, that you know, please stop. I don't like that. So these are skills. The earlier they're taught, you're talking about repetition. The earlier they're taught, the more likely they are to be able to like bake them into their lives. And you are going to need them as an adult. Like you are going to be a 35 year old person one day that needs to turn to your mom and go, it doesn't feel good when you say that. I know you're saying it for this reason. I'm trying to take it that way, but it makes me feel poorly. Here's why. Everybody who has diabetes has diabetes supplies, but not everybody gets them from U.S. Med the way we do usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. US Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide. They are the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide, and they always provide 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. That's right, US Med carries everything from insulin pumps to diabetes testing supplies, right up to your latest CGMs, like the Freestyle Libre 2 and 3 and the Dexcom G6 and 7. They even have Omnipod Dash and Omnipod 5. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and you can reach them at 888-721-1514 or by going to my link, usmed.com forward slash juicebox. When you contact them, you get your free benefits check, and then if they take your insurance, you're off and going. And US Med takes over 800 private insurers and Medicare nationwide. Better service and better care is what US Med wants to provide for you. USmed.com 
forward slash juice box. Get your diabetes supplies the same way Arden does from US Med. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com to US Med and all of the sponsors. When you use my links, you're supporting the show. You know. Yes. I mean, these are like such crucial skills to give your child to, yes, understand how the other person's feeling, but also understand when your boundary is crossed physically or emotionally and being able to advocate for yourself in that way and not become like, it's okay, it's okay, you know, and want to avoid conflict or people pleasing, all of those things. Yeah. What else do you get out of telling a person how their actions or words make you feel? Like, is there a, a resolution that happens for you when you do that? So you, well, the resolution is hopefully that it's the person doesn't continue. Right, right. <laughs> and I think this can even, I know we're talking about this in like child to child interaction, mm-hmm. but even in a parent child dynamic, when you're setting a boundary or the, or the child's trying to communicate do you, one of the common examples that you might hear or read about is like, you know, you like to tickle the kid and the kid's like laughing, 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 laughing. And then he's like, stop, stop, stop. And you think they're kind of joking. I mean, I remember this as a kid too. And it is kind of funny and fun. But then at some point, you also get to teach your child like, okay, are you are you saying no? Is this a boundary? Have I crossed it? Is this fun or funny? But then teaching the kid how to how your child to say no, this is okay. Please stop now. I'm done. Mm. And so then, is the res- the resolution is you're teaching the child that you're also validating what they're saying to you, and you're listening to them. So you're teaching them boundary setting, self advocacy, and in a bigger parent child dynamic, I hear you. I see what you're saying, and I'm going to stop, right. and I'm going to validate your needs. They get to see what it feels like to be respected. And therefore may be more likely to respect people in return, knowing what good feeling it it, it delivers to them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And wanting to reinforce that over and over by offering and then saying, wow, I thank you so, you know, I really appreciate that you, because oftentimes I know as a parent, we might feel like, oops, I crossed the line, I messed up, or I'm not going to really listen to the child. You must be, you know, they're probably just being silly. Mm. But praising, saying, wow, you know, thank you so much for communicating what you really needed in that moment. And if you did cross that their own physical or emotional boundary, it's okay to say, you know, I'm sorry, yeah. I did that. So then you're modeling. It's like we're constantly trying to model because they do what they see. I find telling my kids that I appreciate that they shared something with me is really helpful. Um, and it, it always, it's hard to do because it always happens in the worst moments. It always happens in a moment where you're like, oh, I messed that up. Like, you know, like you're just sitting there thinking I didn't do this right. And now look, look where we've gotten. And they, you know, have the courage to express it to you. And that's when you really got to just swallow the rest of whatever's going on in your head and just say, I appreciate you telling me that, um, you know, I'll, I'll remember next time. And if I don't tell me again, please, I, cause I don't, I, I don't mean to do this. Yes. Stuff. People's I, intentions yes, are generally yeah. good. They're just execution is usually the crappy part. So yes, yeah. I think modeling that and then modeling to your if in your partner, you get to practice the the physical boundary setting. Um, excuse me, the emotional boundary setting. When let's say you're you're in a, engaged in a conflict, and you maybe have crossed some boundaries, to check in and say, you know, this is what I hear you say. Or did I did I make a mistake? Did I offend you? How can we move forward? Mm-hmm. And so children also get to see you model that, like, okay, oops, there were some boundaries crossed. They said some things because um, you know we kids are going to hear us have conflicts sometimes. That's okay to then practice that repair work when we do cross some of those emotional boundaries yeah. for them. Okay. Uh, physical boundaries, advocating for yourself, emotional listening to others, being empathetic. What mm-hmm. I feel like that's covered, but do you have more to say about that or, or are we good on that part? Um, I think this piece too, yes, I skipped when like the, as a ch- young child in elementary school, you know, they're learning how to listen to the teacher. They're learning how to listen to their friends and how to get put their kind of empathy hat, so to speak, on in those moments to tell them, you know, it's really important to listen to other people when they're speaking just as you you want other people to hear your needs, you want people to understand how you're feeling 
and what's really important to you. And that's why we want to also listen to other people, just kind of constantly putting on that like empathy. How does it feel when someone physically crosses your line? And how does it feel when someone doesn't really listen to what you're trying to say? Mm -hmm. And that's often when we see, you know, there's all sorts of behaviors, tantrums, right? If they don't really know, A, how to, to communicate what they're feeling, but then also when they're feeling like, hey, no one's really getting what I'm trying to say instructing, modeling for them. I really, it's so important to listen to other people just as you want people to listen to you. I think it's incredibly important. I'm 52 and it still bothers me like I'm five years old if it feels like somebody's not listening to me. And that has to be from the way I grew up. So if you don't want Mm -hmm. your kid to feel like that 50 years from now, do what Erica's saying now, skip all that problem for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a thing that like I'm not crippled by it or anything like that, but I can feel like at the very center of the back of my brain, it's upsetting to me to feel like I'm not being heard. It's, it's not, and I don't even mean like in the podcast, I mean like in personal relationships, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like here, it's fine. I say what I say and you'll listen or you won't, and don't, it's fine. <laughs> but, um, but, but I mean like in my personal relationships, if I don't felt, uh, if I don't feel understood, I'm off balance until I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And then as a result, I imagine though, you've learned when that boundary has either been crossed or not met, you're then able to maybe articulate like, Hey, I don't, I feel like my needs aren't being met or you're not hearing me. Yeah. I uh, mean, I can feel it coming, but uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't always stop. It's just yeah. going like, you're not listening. You're not hearing yeah. what I'm saying. And the closer I feel to you, the worse it feels when it happens. And it's not like a bad thing. Like, it's not like somebody's like willfully not listening to me. I don't, I don't think that actually even happens in my life. But if I try to explain myself to my wife, for example, and she's not understanding how I feel, and if she's not understanding my intent, but more importantly is, is in my opinion, misrepresenting what I'm doing, I'm like almost a little crushed. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like, how could I like, and then it's frustrating that I apparently can't say what I feel in a way that is receivable by another person. And then it's just like, it's a spiral from there. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's anyway. I mean, so you tell me I could just do these things. Somebody could have done this with you. And I was like four, I would have not gone through this. I would have been amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Let's just dig as, my mom know. up and yell at her. I'm just kidding. <laughs> my mom's been dead right, long yeah. enough for us to joke about it. Hasn't she? No, oh. oh, stop. It's fine. She would have thought it was funny. Uh, <laughs> okay. 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 Moving on. Okay. Modeling behavior for children. Um, and then the idea of reflective listening yeah. that I, I always kind of need just uh, maybe describe to me. Yeah. So that's, again, I mean, that that is, you can feel so validated and someone, you can more easily empathize with, with someone when what you were just describing, the example, when you share how you're feeling with somebody and either A, you're not either communicating it clearly or B, the person isn't able to understand it. And for whatever reason, then that's when maybe your wife could say, this is what, this is what I hear you say. And then you get the opportunity to say, no, this is, I'm saying, I feel this way. Mm-hmm. And you, you keep going until you've been able to articulate exactly, you know, I feel this way when, and then the, the person who's practicing the reflective listening says, I hear you say, mm-hmm that you feel this way when, right? And and, if, and again, I know we've talked about this in the communication um, episode. It feels silly. Yes, I was but it, can, say. it can feel connecting and you're just validating and then you're under, you're really able to empathize with the person because you're like, wow, okay, so you feel mm-hmm. um, really disappointed or sad when I do this thing. I just want to tell guys that in most of your married situations, the last sentence will be spoken by your wife who feels a certain way and it negates all the ways you feel. <laughs> <laughs> and then you lose and it's over. <laughs> and I know, uh, <laughs> I know it's not about winning and losing. I, I take my moral, right. I take my victories morally. When I see on her face, she gets it. I don't even sometimes ask her to say it out loud. I'm like, that's enough. She knows <laughs> it, it's not, it's not important for her to say it out loud. Um, and I don't mean like winning and losing. I just, the, and I think that's important because I'm sure I do the same thing. Like I've heard, I've heard you now. I know mm-hmm. you're, I know you're right. And whatever that is inside of you, like, I can't get it out to say I'm wrong. But, you know, anyway, it, it's uh, it's important. It's that, That's why it's so important to do this stuff with the kids, because it gets harder and harder the older you get. And I think people could get concerned, too. 
if they're going to raise soft children, like, do you know what I mean? Like, well, I don't want my kid being a marshmallow and like just taking people's crap, et cetera. There's, those are not the same two things in my opinion, you know, like having a, you know, being able to stick up for yourself and being concerned with how other people feel and understanding how you make other people feel. Those two things are not the same thing to me, but you know, I hope that's right. Yeah. Because the, that having empathy for other people is is really a powerful tool and also understanding how you feel in certain situations is equally as as powerful for yourself and, and for your relationships, right? And mm-hmm. so to not only have the reflective listening skill as a parent to your child, but you know, partner to partner, I think ultimately what you're doing is building that relationship. And as from the parent-child perspective, you are telling them and showing them, I am here for you. I hear what you're saying. And then they become empowered too, as they grow up to not become a marshmallow, but to say, you know what? I can communicate what I, what I feel and what I need yeah. in a healthy way. And I can also you know, empathize with others. Listen, I'm no like physical force, but I think if you listen to this podcast, you you can hear that I'm an I'm an incredibly empathetic person. I put myself in other people's shoes constantly. I spent a lot of my life trying to help other people to feel better. But if we were out in public and shit got sideways, I'd stand right up with everybody else. And I don't think those two things like I just don't think they're mutually exclusive. You, you know, so but I do think that you could hear this as a young parent and think. I am not going to turn my kid into a pushover by doing this. And I really don't think that's what happens. I think it actually the exact opposite ends up happening. So mm-hmm. they get better in conflict resolution. Like you're going to raise a kid who can be in a group of five people who are having a problem and step out of it a little bit and they can see what's happening. You know, like I yes. know why this person's upset. I know why this person's upset. You're going to, you're going to create a person who's a mediator as well as, you know, a leader. Honestly, I think, but I don't know, Erica. That's just me yes. and my silly podcast. No, I think, I think, I yeah. think, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having, having the ability to identify and verbalize how you're feeling and understand how other people are feeling. If we, you know, it's a hard skill Man. and you, it's, you know, and if we all could do that perfectly, there would be no issue anytime ever. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if you want to have a really popular podcast, I'd learn that one if I was you. <laughs> it's very helpful. It, it's just, it, it's just interesting to talk about how a parenting decision for a three-year-old could impact a 50-year-old person's life. Because I don't think we stop to think about that stuff, you know, or frequently enough, maybe don't think about it. Mm -hmm. You say, oh, I'll give them good tools and they'll turn into good people. But here's like a concrete example of how that can happen. And, you know, I don't know. Like my parents didn't teach it to me. I learned it along the way. If Arden doesn't get diabetes, I don't get involved in this space. I don't learn to have I like I I had more of a caregiver's mentality before Arden's diabetes. Like if you were related to me, I would take good care of you. But mm-hmm. I didn't particularly give a crap about other people. And now like this whole thing is like I used to tell people like I was not a chicken soup for the soul person before I started this whole thing. And now <laughs> like you know I had to teach myself how not to feel everyone's pain. I'm so connected to mm-hmm. so many people, you know. And that even was anyway. Well, yes. I'm sorry, I'm getting Erica off track. She's looking at me you like went, I made no, this great went, list. <laughs> now you're chatting. <laughs> You've gone through like a good master's level, um, you know, psychology. But everybody can get that just by watching the people around them and not, it has to be more important for you to understand what's really happening than to lay your feelings over top of what is happening and color that situation with how you see it. It's not, it's not really important how you see it. It's important what's actually happening. I don't know if that makes yes. sense. Yes. Well, and, yeah. and, but it does become important. This goes back to the, your own boundaries when your boundaries are crossed, right? Yeah. And emotionally, physically. And then to be able to know how to speak and articulate that mm-hmm. ver- yeah. or verbalize that. Yeah. I'm not letting anybody walk all over me, but yeah. I'm willing to understand. Like, if, trust me, if what you think is harmful to me, well, you found my line then. <laughs> you know, now I don't care how you feel anymore. That's right. Now I'm on Scott's side. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Uh, so uh, your last bit here, validating emotions for this piece. Yes, I think we'll we'll get into this point a little bit later in this episode and in the following episode. But I think as we're thinking about setting, you know, appropriate healthy boundaries and expectations for our children, 
and offering praise in the midst of all of that, right? So as they're learning how to set physical and emotional boundaries, they're learning how to meet certain expectations. We want to offer the praise, you know, in the moment of like, wow, you're you're doing a really good job in this in this growth area. Um, but that you're not just like we as parents, we've already kind of mentioned this, we're not always going to do it perfectly. And then, and then inserting the lesson of self-compassion, right? To say, gosh, you know, I'm we're not always going to do everything right. We are going to step on, we are, we are going to push our friends physically or emotionally sometimes. We're going to learn how to correct that. And then we're going to practice that self-compassion piece and not just be like, ah, oh, I'm a I'm a terrible parent. I'm a terrible kid. I can never get it right mm-hmm. meeting these boundaries and expectations. And so I just wanted to slide that in there too, of like, it's okay to model that for your child as a parent, but also teach that to your child. Short memory, right? Yeah. There's an episode going up with you and I next week, which means nothing. I shouldn't have said it like that in here because people will be like, next week. It was six months ago if you're hearing this. Okay. Uh, but um, <laughs> but it's about, like, I, I drug you on here one day and I was like, I want to talk about how people compare things and how why, like, that. We got into this long conversation that by the time we were done, kind of boiled down to, you know, uh, a Hall of Fame hitter bats about 300. And that I see like this piece like that, like just that, that what you're calling self-compassion, I say, I mean, three and 10 is not bad. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like you're going to fail more than you succeed, that kind of idea and not to beat yourself up over those things. And, and, you know, what they tell a hitter in baseball is, you know, you have to have a short memory, you know, which mm-hmm. just means like you fail, you move on, you don't look back. I mean, this seems like obvious stuff to say out loud until you try to put it into practice in your life. Yes. And then it's maybe not not as easy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but the the ones that come out on top are the ones that master that idea. Yes. Right, truly, you know. Okay, so moving on, addressing the negative impacts of demanding perfectionism and having unrealistic standards. Wow. Thank God you're here. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. So, this is a biggie. This is a biggie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, please. I'm glad to be here. I and mean, this is this is really challenging. So as we think about perfection, there are I wanted to kind of just p- highlight that you know there's different types of perfectionism. There's the self-oriented perfectionism when we're demanding perfection from ourselves, this kind of self-explanatory. There's other-oriented perfectionism when we're demanding perfection from others. And then there's the socially prescribed perfectionism when we we think everyone around us is demanding perfection from us, which then maybe kind of goes into the, you know, self-oriented perfectionism. Give them to me um, again. Give me the yes. three again, just real quick. Okay. So Self. self-oriented perfectionism, yep. other-oriented, other. and then socially prescribed. Socially. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to make a note for myself. The socially prescribed one sounds dangerous to my mental health, but let's let's hear what you're going to say. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And okay, so thinking about these the negative impacts and of how we might be demanding perfectionism as a parent to our child. That's how we're going to look at this. Mm-hmm. So, if we are demanding or expecting perfection from our children, they are going to constantly feel like they're they're not they're not they're, there's unrealistic standards and they're not going to meet them over and over and over again and then they're going to eventually i mean this is not every child but this is pretty common that they then will believe that they're they're never good enough and we've talked about that statement right like that mindset of i'm never going to be a good enough fill in the blank mm-hmm. and so they're they're thinking okay mom and dad expect me to have um, straight A's or such and such number A1C yeah. <laughs> um, or to be, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And without maybe having, usually this happens without really a whole lot of awareness, but as a parent, you're expecting perfection. They're going to struggle to meet those unrealistic standards. And because of that struggle of never meeting this, because per- there is no such thing as meeting those perfectionistic standards. Mm-hmm. They are going to develop that that concept that, gosh, no matter what I do, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to meet my parents' expectations. And obviously that there's a snowball effect in that you know mindset that we've talked about before. Do you think that parents actually have overwhelmingly have that expectation of perfection? Or do you think it's the fear as a parent 
that you don't want potential to be wasted and that effort finds potential. Like, and, but then it gets misinterpreted by the kid or by the way you deliver it. Is that, do you think that's what really happened? Like how many people do you think are running around going, I want my kid to be perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah, we don't, we don't. We say we want our child, we want to do the best. Just go out and do your best Mm -hmm. or do better. And so, I mean, I think, you know, go out and do your best isn't necessarily negative, but when we say to our child, okay, just go out and, and do your best on that test or do your best in that game. And then they come back and we, they can pick up very small cues on our face of like, oh, cause we might have an expectation that the best isn't, is a hundred percent or the best is winning the game or getting strikes, whatever. So they are going to pick up even if we're like, no, we just want our child to do the best. We don't have, you know, high standards, but then we're like, oh, did, did you try your best? I think you, did you study hard enough? Yeah. Were you, were you focused during the game? Now, again, I know there are times when maybe this, these reflections are appropriate, mm-hmm. right? So this yeah. is, but I'm, I'm generally globally stereotyping if we're consistently saying, go do your best or do better. You can do better. And then questioning if they did that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Then they're learning, oh, I actually studied for hours, for weeks, and or I've been practicing every day. I did my, that was my best. And if it wasn't, how the hell do I find what my best is? Because this feels like I've given everything I have, right? And, yes. and by the way, I guess even if they haven't given everything they have, if they still feel that way, then you're telling them there's more, but they don't know the pathway to it. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Fun yes. I really I mean, listen. <laughs> yes, that was big. That was big. Okay, I got it. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, it's and how do you think about that in the moment when really what you're trying to say to the kid is like just could you watch the ball, please? <laughs> like, like just just stop looking away in the middle of the bat if you could. <laughs> like uh, yeah, I know. Oh, is that crazy? And this is and I, I know we'll get into this too because I'm thinking about like the counterpoint is but if we're always saying you did your best, great job. Mm-hmm. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job all the time then you know finding that balance is is difficult right like you want you want your child to do your best to do their best and apply themselves however we also need to be in check with what does that actually look like and feel like yeah and and what does the what does the best mean the best means for you like do your best not the best do you know what I mean? Like you could, uh-huh. I, I mean, I'll, I'll keep going back to baseball because I just watched uh-huh. my son go through it forever and ever. You could be the best baseball player on your high school team and be nowhere near the best baseball player in the world. But that kid's now achieved their potential. They're a really good high school baseball player. You can't keep telling them, well, there's people doing better than you. There's always someone doing better than you. And if you're, if we're chasing that forever and ever, you know, to take maybe what might seem like a weird left turn for a second. There's this um, Amazon Prime documentary up right now uh, for this guy named Jason Kelsey, who is probably a person you don't know. And I only know probably because he snaps the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I grew up in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. Okay. Okay. He's a really interesting older guy who's been in the league for a long time. And they started out by documenting what they thought was going to be his last year of his career. Turns out he going to come back and play for another year. But inside this documentary, he's in a poker game with a bunch of retired football players, professional football players. So a bunch of people who are literally the best at what they did, right? Because even if you're the third tight end on a bad professional football team, you're one of like the best 85 tight ends on the planet. That makes you the best as far as my, my considerations goes. To watch these guys all sit around, and stare into space and not be able to figure out what the rest of their life means and what it's like, there's no more excellence to chase. Like they didn't just get tired of it. They made it. And now they're still alive and they don't know what to do. And Mm -hmm. I think that's not a good thing to instill in your kids because those 85 guys, they've reached the mountaintop and they're probably wealthy uh, they also probably get headaches a lot and maybe will die earlier. But nevertheless, they've made it as far as they're <laughs> going to make it in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. But for every one of those guys, there has to be tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of other boys 
who thought they were going to be the best tight end on the blah, 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 Mm -hmm. who are still right now living their life feeling like failures because of something you told them when they were seven. And that's Mm -hmm. where my bigger concern comes from. But that's my example for why you might not want to tell your kids that they're trying to achieve perfection. So anyway, does that make sense to you? Yes, I think the... And I mean, we obviously, we see that example a lot in sports, you know, children wanting to be pro pro athletes or, you know, superstars. Mm -hmm. And I think there's that, again, that fine line of striking that balance between like wanting to do your best, but also accepting some reality. Of who you are. In the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Of your identity and your strengths. Right. I did the best I could do. That's pretty amazing. Now I got to go find a new thing to like, to try to achieve. And that. Listen, there's a 10-part podcast series in the six months that I watched my son let go of playing baseball and move on to something else. You have no idea how scared I was during that time that he wouldn't be able to do that, you know? And mm-hmm. um, and, and listen, my kid played baseball in college, which somehow makes him one of the best 9,000 baseball players in the country, and he was nowhere near being one of the guys you see on television. So mm-hmm. like it like nowhere near like they they describe and I think this is for everything but they describe playing baseball as trying to climb a pyramid right like when you start and everyone's at the base so many people fit around the pyramid but every time you take mm-hmm. a step up and you're trying to get to the point fewer and fewer people fit on the pyramid yeah and my kid was pretty far up that pyramid but the amount of people between him and the tip was astronomical in his reality mm mm-hmm. mhm it's not a thing you want to hang somebody with for the rest of their life. Like I consciously thought about it for years. Like when this is over, how do we make sure he doesn't end up a guy sitting at a card table, staring at a wall, wondering what the hell he's supposed to do with his life? Cause this is all he thinks life is, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry. That was a rabbit hole. I apologize. No, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a good, some good illustrations good. of how, you know, the, the negative impacts, right. Of, of this expectation of perfection, even when we're, we're thinking we're not doing that, right. <laughs> that we're just, we're just encouraging our children to do their best. Well, in a reality where there's 300 guys who are pro baseball players and a handful of people who are billionaires and like, you know, a handful of people who are beautiful. I know we think everybody's beautiful because of Instagram. Most of us look like me when the idea is that there's no one's going to make it to the tip of the pyramid anyway. I'm not saying don't try. I'm saying when you get halfway up the pyramid, make a cup of tea, sit back and appreciate what you did for a little while, you know, and mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that's all I got. I'm sorry. Yes. I, I, where, where are we at here? I'm, okay, I lost, we're, I lost we're the on list. To, we're, we're trying to set the bar just right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so again, I know these are, we want, we want our children to excel in what they do in where they apply themselves. And so when we're thinking about, you know, setting the bar, we don't want to set it too high or too low. Again, I know this feels like it's, it can be challenging at times, but when we are setting the bar too high, then the children, and we see this a lot, there's so much, there's a lot of anxiety in our, in our teens currently, partially due to post-pandemic issues, ripple effects, but, mm-hmm. you know, this pressure to perform and produce and achieve and excel. And so there's the, they're living with this constant stress and pressure. So that's what, if we're setting the bar too high, even without knowing for our children. And then when we set the bar too low, they also can develop this, you know, criticism or self-criticism or stress because we might be saying we set the bar low, but and then we're kind of saying to our children, but, but you can do, you can do better than that. Right. So like right. we're we're trying to maybe overcompensate and not um developing any kind of anxiety in our children by setting the bar low, but then we're constantly saying, but come on, you 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 could have done better. And so then they're feeling like they're they're letting you down. There's they have this personal sense of failure, and that contributes to more thoughts of, you know, self-esteem and 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 anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's really hard to find that right balance. Also, as a parent, you might be very aware of your own wasted potential. And now you're older and you're really like, oh, God, I could have done this. I could have done that. Like these little steps would have made a big difference for me. You're trying to get that over them. You know, I think that one of the hardest things I've encountered being somebody's parent 
is the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. is doing the right thing without an assurance that the right thing is going to happen afterwards. Like, th- yes. does that make sense? Like I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to hope that this goes in- well, like, yeah. because then, because if you can't let go of that, then you get this feeling in your head that you can direct reality and control. Like, we yeah. Can, I'll control. control how this mm-hmm. ends up. And mm-hmm. it feels like, well, I'll control how this ends up so it gets to the right place. But what if you get to the right place, but you've done so much damage along the way that they can't even enjoy being in the correct, in the place you wanted them to be? It's almost better. I'm going to sound like a hippie. It's almost better. Also, does anyone use that word anymore besides me and like a, a couple of other people? But but it, I, I think it's almost better to just let your kid be a happy, good representation of who they are and hope that they drift through the ether in the right direction I think they will, right? Like, like a well-stocked boat should make it to shore. And, you know, will a couple of them crash in the waves? They will. But if you're behind them the whole time going, turn here, turn here, do this, you're just going to turn them into a neurotic mess to begin with. So what does winning look like? I think winning at the end looks like healthy and happy. Well, and then they maybe they made it to the coordinates, but they also, you know, found their way. <laughs> yeah, on their own, which, which by the yeah. way, then allows you to like do another thing, you, you know, yes. uh, Arden's trying to do something right now at college and, and, uh, I supported it a little, but then there were places in it where I thought I'm going to let her take care of this because there's growth potential in these things, you know, setting this up, understanding how it works, that will help her to utilize the tool better moving forward, but she needs a physical item to get there. I'll, I'll send the physical item. So I'm like, here, here's a tool. Now you learn how to use it. But she asked me, how do I do this? And I sent her a link. I was like, this explains it. But you need to go figure it out yourself. And she said, thank you. And she moved on. Now, if this Hmm. all doesn't work out, I could step back and say, oh, I could have held her hand through it. But then we don't know where else she ends up. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like, what, what does she get from this or learn about herself? Maybe she'll pivot and end up doing something different with what she learned it's not the initial goal, but maybe it's a new, better goal. There you go. Yes. Yes. I smell like patchouli oil now. <laughs> There's a reference no one gets. I, I know patchouli oil. You're from California. <laughs> it's different. Yes. Yes. It, it, it was alive and well in uh, Laguna Beach where I grew up. Yes. <laughs> um, I think the setting the bar I know is so challenging and it's hard I mean, I obviously, I immediately think of all of the examples with our, you know, diabetes management piece. And one thing I know that we, that we want to achieve the perfection, whatever that is, but we, I think there's been such great dialogue and understanding to eliminate that, like perfect, perfect number, perfect time and range. What a great way you can model for your child if you were the one caregiving for your child in um, their management, their diabetes management, like if you're constantly, we, we might think that they're not watching us, but if we're looking at their numbers or their graphs and we're thinking, gosh, I'm totally messed up there. We're never going to get this right because I know there's so much pressure on wanting to keep your child healthy and alive. But to model for your child so that when they are growing up and starting to take control of their own you know, management say, gosh, whoops, like we, we goofed here, but we know we'll, we'll figure it out next time. Or we know, we know how to correct here because I know that there's so much fear in not having tight management, but also to give your, yourself the release of not having that, that perfect time and Mm -hmm. range, but also for your child to see you do that, then they get to learn you know, I'm going to do my best here and there, but there are going to be times when I'm not going to figure it out. Yeah. And I'm going to be on the roller coaster. And so then they get all like, oh, yeah, I saw dad do that one time. Like he messed up and he didn't like have a stroke. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get I get why we do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's such a great way to, to, to have your children learn how to imitate that self-compassion again. I, I don't imagine that this is like coming to a surprise as a surprise to anyone. But this whole series here it, it, when I thought about it, I just thought we would talk about parenting and then people could listen to it and then lay it over top of diabetes because it's the same thing. It, yes. You know, like yes. it, it really is 
there are very few things in the world that aren't core ideas. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just thought this was a nice way to kind of bundle two things together. Even though we don't feel like we're talking about diabetes, I think that's all we're talking about yes. while we're talking about this. So, yes. um, anyway. Uh, okay, so where are we at here on your We on your are, we can move on to finding the right balance between discipline and understanding. Okay. All right. So we learned we don't hit people. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the seventies. You can't just hit me with a stick. If you want me to do something that doesn't, that doesn't work anymore. By the way, that probably doesn't work anymore at all. Kids are probably like, I have phone numbers. I can get out of here. I have a job. My TikTok makes 10,000 a month. I don't have to live here. Oh, gosh. Um, Okay. So this kind of goes back to, you know, we talked about the different parenting styles in our first episode and wanting wanting to try and strike again, striking the balance between having discipline, having consequences around the boundaries or expectations that you're setting or rules that you're setting for your children, while also pairing that with understanding, validation, fun. Mm -hmm. So I know that we talked about, you know, if you're in the parenting style, like I'm the boss, they're going to do what I say, no matter what, I don't care how they think or feel about it. They're going to follow these rules and they're going to, you know, live in within these boundaries and expectations I have for them. Then the counterpoint would be, well, aren't they just going to rebel because they, they don't want to be, you know, so confined. Maybe, um, but then the other opposite end of the spectrum is we'll just let them like, you know, figure it out. There's, you know, we, we're just going to understand their kids. They make mistakes and we're going to, you know, we're going to understand and validate over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But then what, you know, then, then the counterpoint to that is then kids really, there's a lot of different mental health issues that come along with that parenting style as well. And freedom, um, freedom to make choices, which is healthy, but when they don't understand there's any consequences to some of their choices or decisions, that also leads to, you know, problematic behavior. Right. And so wanting to strike, sorry, go ahead. I'm just going to share something I recorded last week. I'm going to keep the details light. I was talking to an adult in their late twenties. I'm not trying to be funny, who has a specific like kink in their life, like a, a sexual quirk, right? That as I'm talking to them clearly comes from how they were raised. And 45 minutes into the conversation, I bring that up and the person does not see the connection between the two at all. It's so obvious and, but not to them. And I, I just, mm-hmm. it felt like that was important to put into here for some reason, like not that your mm-hmm. kid's going to end up in a S and M dungeon. That's not what I was trying to say. What, I, what I'm trying to say is that you, that you could lead somebody in a in a direction and they won't know what happened to them. And so they have no ability to course correct because this feels right to them. Even though it started with a bad thing, that person was empowered by this, this, th- this thing. And I mean, I'm only one person, but from my perspective, had they not been abused as a child, I don't think they'd be in this situation right now. And I'm not saying the situation's bad or good. Like if you're out there and you like to have your ass slapped, I'm not saying I'm I'm judging you. I'm saying that like, sorry, this is what the conversation. You should go find. It's a great episode. Um, it's one of the best episodes I've ever recorded, actually. But but the but the point is is that the cause and effect, I think, is so far apart in time mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the mind can't even connect the two things. Plus, you have to defend yourself against the abuse by empowering yourself. Does that make sense? It's like you you take the bad thing, you turn it into your power, which is uh, understandable. What would have been better is if the person didn't hit her to begin with. And, And so anyway, I think that's what we're talking about here, but there's a real world example of what it could look like 25 years later is, is what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Cause I mean, again, going back to the self-awareness piece, you you brought some self awareness to her in that reflection in the, in the recording and part of that we hopefully you're we're encouraging some self awareness too in some of our parenting styles and routines we don't we just do and also because we're we're tired we're stressed mm-hmm. we have our our own you know baggage that we're carrying and sometimes we just parent out of a natural space and energy. Yeah. And so I think it's, I'm, I'm, we're hoping that 
by just pausing and reflecting and bringing some self-awareness like, oh, maybe I do. I do generally parent this way or the other, right? Well, that's a very kind statement from you. It's not anything more than what I would expect. And I agree with you. But I do want to say this, and, and I, I'm somebody's parent two times over. It's a big responsibility you took on. And in the end, I don't know if I, I don't know where Eric is going to stand on my statement. I don't want to hear about your problems. Like, go do the right thing. Like, you said you were going to do this. They're here. Go do it now. Like, maybe you don't get to be as rested or as happy or whatever the hell else. But you're here now. You did this thing. These kids are here. They deserve a shot. Maybe you got to swallow hard and, you know, take one for the team sometimes. It's nice to think that we can all be happy. But, I mean, wouldn't it be cool if we could just set the next group up to be happy and and be and, and feel fulfilled by the fact that we sent another generation of people on a better path than the one we were on, rather than like, you know, I would have liked to have paid attention, but I needed to get some sleep so I could get some overtime because I deserve to go on vacation. Like, I haven't been on a goddamn vacation in 10 years. I'm busy parenting two children. It's hard. You, you know what I mean? So I want to be happy too, but at whose expense at some point? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I think... Being able to, what you're, you're wanting them to be healthy, happy and healthy, and you're wanting to be happy and healthy as a parent. And I think the, we're, we're not going to be able to be this model, perfect parent all the time. And sometimes we are going to need to take mm -hmm. a break or sleep or yeah, yell. A million percent. I'm just saying, if someone gets screwed, it's you, not them. Like that's, that's just gotta be like, I, I mean, if you're making a decision, them it's, and it's you over them. I got to tell you, I don't understand your decision. So, you know, it's it, it's done now. You had a baby. Here it is. It didn't turn out the way you expected. Uh, too bad. <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. you, you got to do the right thing. Like, keep doing the right thing. Because one day, it all just comes back to you. Like, it really will. Like, maybe you're not going to have the exact life you wanted when you were 25. But you'll wake up in 10 years and be like, oh, my God, I've got this, like, reasonable child who's happy and on a good path. And then you get to be happy, too. You have no idea how easy and joyful and I, there are just more words that, that need to be attributed to this. But my life with my son is like, mm -hmm. like just how our back and forth is. And, and it, it's maybe it won't pay you today. It's definitely going to pay you tomorrow, I guess, maybe is my bigger point. You might have to sacrifice. Maybe I should have just said you, sh you may have to sacrifice a little now for later. But what you get later is 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 more than payback. You know, it, that's how I think, see it anyway. Yes, yes. I think, yes, sacrificing now. I think as parents, probably most parents listening <laughs> to this podcast are feeling that way, that they are sacrificing, that they yeah. are working really hard, that they're doing their best. And I think the way to find that balance between the like understanding, maybe offering too much leniency or freedom in your child's behavior or choices versus I'm the parent, I'm going to do this. And then trying to find like not being a perfectionist parent. Like, there's so many different things like to filter through is to just keep communicating whether your child is one, two, 10, 20, keeping that line of communication open in terms of, wow, I understand you really don't like this rule. This is still a rule mm -hmm. and, and we're, and I need you to follow it, but tell me how you feel about it. Or wow, I, I see that you're working really hard in this area I'm, and I'm really proud of you or, um, and keep it up. Keep, we're like, we're all practicing, right? Like we're all practicing to do our best yeah. and to communicate with our children in that space as we're learning how to parent just as much as they're learning how to be children. Right. It's hard. No, I mean, but, it's and, but I hear, difficult. but I, and I hear your point too. Yeah. Like we do need to like we're all, we're all grinding it out, you know, trying to figure out, figure it out. It's hard for a reason. Cause yes. And that doesn't mean you get to give up in the middle. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't yeah. know because when okay. you give up, I mean, you're giving them away. Like, like you really are. You might not see it that way, but like you, you you're going to at least put it on them to try to figure it out on their own. And then it's a coin flip, whether they get it straight as an adult or not. Like you have a real opportunity to push people off into their life in the in a in a valuable direction forget the right direction a valuable direction that might lead them to the things you're hoping for like this is your shot right here mm -hmm. i mean it's just how it seems to me it's i i don't know it's a difficult thing to do and for good reasons but 
I mean, don't bemoan the fact that it's hard. Like you had to expect this. Like, no, like, you know, mm. and if you didn't, I'm sorry, but here you are. And you know, you got to work hard at this. It's just, it, I don't know. I'm torn sometimes between saying to people like here, this, these are good things to do. I mean, you've gone over so mm-hmm. many valuable things here, but in the end, you can't just say, oh, it didn't go my way. Like, like, you know, there are certain things you could have done to maybe help that. And along the way, I see a lot, I've seen over the years, a lot of people make excuses for why they couldn't do hard things. And now mm-hmm. their kids are a train wreck and they're going, I, I did my best. And I, and sometimes I look and I go, I don't know if you did or not. Like I, I was watching. Sometimes mm-hmm. it didn't look like, didn't look like you were trying even, let alone your, like your real effort here. And not to say that like, you could also be listening going, look, I'm trying as hard as I can and it's not going right. But that's a, to me, that's a good indicator. Like, like if, if you're putting your whole ass into this, like you're really trying and every day you wake up and it's getting further and further away from a valuable ending, it's a good time to step back and say to yourself, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, right. Mm-hmm, Cause I'm trying mm-hmm. as hard as I can. But if you're trying to saw a hole through a wall with a screwdriver, it's going to take forever. And if your ideas aren't getting you to where you want to go, what a perfect time to reach out to someone else and help get an assessment of what your decisions are and maybe how you could make ones that would end up in a different situation. Does that make sense? Yes, I think. Yeah. So it's the if a parent is articulating and feeling frustrated, you know, hands in the air, I'm doing the best I can, but gosh, you know, my relationship with my child is not the where I want it to be, or I'm just exhausted, burnt out. I can't keep going. I'm kind of in this giving up space, mm-hmm. which we might all feel as parents throughout the day or the season. Yeah, I, I think that's a great thought to then that's where the self-awareness piece comes in of like, gosh, you know what? Maybe I can't, I'm not perfect but I also don't want to give up and I'm, I'm going to be kind to myself. And I, I just, I need to ask for help. Yeah. I need help. Work smarter, not harder. Sometimes like if mm-hmm. it, it just, it's possible you're just not good at this, like, like, or whatever we're talking about, like diabetes or parenting or anything. Like if you're putting that much honest effort into something and getting no results, you're probably doing the wrong thing and don't even know it. So how do I go find somebody that, you know, not to bring this person up again, but the person I was talking to, and I was telling that story about earlier, is a parent and making like incredible strides for themselves as a parent. I said, where did you learn that, given that you grew up in such a terrible situation? Boy, she found classes given at local hospitals, uh, by therapists doing pro bono work. Like she wanted to do a better job for her kid. And even though she didn't know what the hell that looked like, she went and found other people to teach her what that looked like. Mm-hmm. And I was just very impressed, like, like really, really impressed. She realized I don't have the tools. I need somebody to explain to me what to do. And then she, and then she had the, the lack of ego to go do it. I was, I was, the whole thing was very impressive. So anyway, I think we could all, I could do that. There's things I don't know that I have to go to other people and find out about all the time and I'm sure that happens to you and everyone else. Yeah, 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 of course. But at some point, you can't just keep saying, well, I'm working really hard and that kid's a little asshole. It's obviously their fault. I maybe not. That's all I'm saying. And some, you know, I mean, kids can be, it's hard. It's hard to <laughs> Well, it is. Yes. And it, and it's so hard. I mean, just that step that you just um, shared about what this person did, that takes so much effort and energy and courage too, to say, I need help. And then I'm going to spend the time and effort, particularly if I I need, you know, maybe you don't have the resources to throw a ton of money and time at it, but she's going to find, you know, resources that she can afford or that is huge. And it takes so much effort. I kept wondering, like, where did she get the emotional intelligence to figure this out? And it was all driven by her desire to do better for her kid. Well, if you listen to her episode, it's a slow process. Like she's not out there killing it. She's incrementally getting into a better and better situation very slowly. The patience of a saint, like, like just like her mm-hmm. life is not easy and she doesn't act like it. She doesn't act like she's being burdened. She doesn't like complain about it. She just gets up, right? She just hits the rock with the hammer and she makes a little move forward. And then she wakes up six months later and things are a little brighter. 
And then she has a terrible backslide, puts her head down, makes a good decision, does it again. And she just keeps climbing. I was very, very impressed with her. And um, I don't know, like it just, it's not all about like, I don't want to say it's the journey, not the destination, because that sounds like something I would have read in a book in 1978 or something like that. But, <laughs> but yeah, you, you know it what is. I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's the journey, not the destination. Like it's the way you go about it, not what you go about. And I think that's what you should be trying to teach your kids is, you know, it's, it's beyond just do the right thing. It's, I don't know, it's a way of thinking about being alive. And this, mm -hmm. this lady's got it, man. Somebody put her in a hole and threw cinder blocks over top of her and she climbed out of that hole and then they pushed her back in and she climbed out of it again. And every time she climbs out of it, she's climbing out to get to that kid. And it's just very, very impressive. So I'm sorry, I've gotten you off track for your last well, thought Well, yes, I, I can't wait to listen to that episode. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it'll be called, I don't know, it's an after dark okay. for sure. Okay. It's, it's such an interesting, I'm sorry, I can't just tell you what it's going to be called yet because I haven't produced the rest of it out yet, but yeah. <laughs> it's an after dark because her story is so bizarrely like two pieces. Like the, the first half of it is about getting away from an abusive family and then an abusive personal relationship. And then we pivot like 45 minutes in and talk about her. They're not just sexual like things. It's just that's a lifestyle she lives around this kind of like BDSM lifestyle that she lives in. Right. And I know you think like, well, because I thought like, how are we going to put these two thoughts together in one thing? But she originally was going to come on just to talk about her lifestyle. But when she got there, just like it seems like she does with the rest of her life, she said, I know I'm coming on for this. But man, I think I'd rather talk about how I got away from some of this abuse in my life. I said, yeah, sure. So we like we just switched gears and we did the mm -hmm. abuse conversation. But then I got to the end and I thought, oh, the lifestyle thing fits the the first part of the story. So I introduced it. She's the one I'm talking about who just mm -hmm. she did not see the connection between the two things. But then she very freely and openly like pivoted and talked about the the lifestyle thing. Just an incredibly impressive person. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope people find it. It's I don't know what the hell I'm going to call it, but it's an after dark that follows that. You'll figure it out. I, I mean, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I do a better job naming the episodes if I knew how. But this is what it, this is what you get from me. <laughs> so um, anyway, but I'm sorry. We were like, yes, I think I think we're we're, we're good. We have we are good. I think we were going to get into you know having that the importance and significance of having consistent discipline. We were talking about having that balance between discipline, understanding, validation. Mm -hmm. And I think we can, we'll get into the importance of having consistent consequences and what happens, you know, if, yeah. if we, if we don't do that um, in our next episode. I think in, when we talk about recognizing patterns and breaking cycles, I want to try to mm -hmm. remember to bring this up. So I'm going to say it here. So it kind of sticks in my head as my memory, but oh my God, I just completely lost my thought. Isn't that amazing? Yes. I, uh, I talk too much, Erica. There's so many words oh, bouncing there. around in my head. It's there. Hold on a second. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Um, it's been in my head for 20 minutes. Recognizing patterns and breaking cycles. Ah, hell. Well, call this a teaser. I'll remember for the next one. <laughs> I just, <Okay. laughs> I for 20 minutes have been trying to like remember to say something. And then I didn't make a note because my noteboard is full. Because my printing is terrible. <laughs> I ran out of white space because I write like a child. <laughs> so, uh, But anyway, it'll, it'll, come, it'll, back. it'll, it'll come, come back to back. me. I really appreciate you yes. doing this with me. Thank yes. you. You're welcome. Thank you. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy it. And uh, hang on for a second, because I'll give you a list of the episodes you may have missed if this is your first time. For now, though, let's thank Erica and remind you to go to ericaforsyth.com. And of course, US Med for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast. US Med is where my daughter gets her diabetes supplies from, and you could too. USMed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. One, four. Get your free benefits check and get started today. This series began 
at episode 1049. It's an episode called Parenting Brainstorming the Series. It's just Eric and I talking through what we want the episodes to be about. So you can kind of hear us plan out the series. But if you want to just jump in, the real episode one is at episode 1054. It's called Parenting, Understanding Parenting Styles. The next one is 1059, Parenting, Building Positive Communication. Then there was episode 1064, Parenting, Self-Care, and Personal Growth for Parents. And then, of course, today, Creating Boundaries and Expectations. And actually, let me tell you a little more about what's coming. The next episode will be called Avoiding Unintended Consequences of Inconsistent Discipline and Over-Involved Parenting. Then after that, Co-Parenting and Unified Fronts. The series won't end there, but I don't have the titles for you at the moment. So that's what's coming up. I hope you're enjoying it. Please share it with somebody if you are. Absolutely tell a friend about the Juicebox podcast. And if you're in an Apple ecosystem, if you're in an iPhone and using Apple podcasts, again, please go to the show, go to settings, go to automatic downloads and choose download all available podcasts. It's the last setting at the very bottom when you check it out. The new operating system is keeping it so that some of you are not getting the episodes of the podcast that you would normally get. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.